This is episode number 115 with Jason and Colleen Jacob. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide, and I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? This week's podcast is brought to you by Sunlight and Saunas. Now, if you've been following me on Instagram stories for a while, you will know I love my infrared sauna time. We have had one in our Bondi home for a few years now, but we recently got one in our Noosa home too, which is epic. And I often get asked about my favorite wellness and self-care rituals. And with the amount that I am on and off airplanes, by far one of my favorites is time in my sauna. It's just time for me. No one can interrupt. I love it. And I personally want to be the best version of myself. And infrared saunas have been an amazing way for me to rest, rejuvenate, rebuild, and heal my body and mind. And since I've personally been using it, I've noticed my skin get clearer and some aches and pains that I had in my lower back have minimized. And the best part is I always feel bursting with energy when I get out. And it's just awesome. Afterwards, I always try and jump in the ocean, which is just pure bliss. It's so delicious. So for all my Aussie and New Zealand-based listeners, I have a $500 gift voucher for you. All you have to do is head to sunlighten.com.au forward slash Melissa and mention the code word Melissa Ambrosini in your inquiry to receive your $500 voucher. How epic is that? And be sure to tag me in your sauna pics when you get it. Jason is the founder and CEO of Mind Body Green and the author of the book Wealth. And he has been featured in the New York Times, Entrepreneur, Fast Company, and Vogue. His beautiful wife, Colleen, is the co founder and the chief brand officer at Mind Body Green. And in today's episode, we chat about their epic love story from a blind date eating donuts to where they are today, how Jason's upbringing gave him the awareness and understanding of the masculine and feminine energies and how this plays out in their relationship today, the biggest challenges in their relationship and how they work through it, the common misconception the public has about them, how they keep their relationship exciting, fresh and new, the keys to a successful relationship, what soulful intimacy is to them and how that's evolved over the years together, how they fill themselves up so they can be the best version of themselves for themselves and each other, what they attribute their relationship success to, what they are working on and would like to improve within themselves right now, plus so much more. 
And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 115. And before we dive into today's epic conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this comes from Michelle Hardman. And she says, this is a fabulous podcast with the most interesting people, including Melissa, of course. That is so sweet. Thank you so much. I learn so much from this every day and actually look forward to the drive to work so that I can listen to it in the car. This covers all of my personal interests and more. Thank you so much, Michelle, for that beautiful review. And don't forget that if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave me a review right now. And now, without further ado, let's bring on this beautiful and super inspiring couple, Jason and Colleen Jacob. Jason and Colleen, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you guys on today. But before we dive in, can you please each tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Oh, wow. Okay. So that's an easy one because we pretty much have it every day. We do black coffee with grass-fed ghee from Fourth and Hard. I do like Bulletproof style coffee every morning. And I feel like such a wellness cliche, but after that, I had avocado toast with a scrambled egg on gluten-free bread. Oh, yes. And very Australian, avocado on toast, you know, the smashed avo thing. It's very Australian. You guys started it and we just ran with it. (laughs) And now we Bluestone Lane, like two blocks away from us here in uh, Brooklyn. So we love it. Oh, yummy, yummy. Now, I'm so excited to chat to you guys, and I am a sucker for a real juicy love story. So can you take us back to how you guys met and where the love story of Jason and Colleen began? So we met on November 7th, 2007, and it was a blind date, so... We both had a mutual friend who we knew for years, but didn't introduce us uh, until I was traveling through San Francisco for work. And she said she didn't, this was like, we weren't on Facebook. Like there, we, this was like pre all that stuff. And she said, you had similar temperaments. Like what, what the hell does that mean? I think it means we're both really, really tall. Yes. So we had a blind date at a wine bar in the marina in San Francisco, which ironically like is a place in a million years neither of us would go to. Um, it's a little cheesy. And ended up like, and we were chaperoned, like our friend was there for like four hours. <laughs> ended up probably having a little bit too much wine. And then we just ended up talking and then went to uh, very unwellnessy, but like went to have um, we got donuts together, probably like 3 or 4 a.m. And uh, what was so interesting, or, or not, uh, I didn't even ask for Colleen's number at the end of the night, and I didn't even like try to do anything, which was very unlike me at the time. But it was because like I would say I, I had some sense of knowing that this was special and I would see her again. 
And then, of course, I woke up the next morning and just reached out to our, our, our dear friend, uh, Carolyn, who set us up and said, I, give me Colleen's number. And I just called her. So like, I, and then, which was like another like rule break, like something I would not do. I probably would have waited a week to reach back out. And then. Well, and we were living on different coasts at that time. So I was living in San Francisco. Jason was living in New York, but traveling a lot. And from November 2007 um, till when we moved to New York in February of 2009, we never went more, more than two weeks, two weeks um, you know, without seeing each other. We saw each other again. And our, Colleen had dropped that she was going to Art Basel which was in Miami, the big art festival in December. And I had, had like wanted to go and I had a friend down there. And so I just like decided to go and then told her a couple weeks later, like, Oh, I'm going to art fossil too. And then our, our, well, our, our first date was the blind date. And then our second date, you were flying to back to New York. And I was still in San Francisco. So you caught like the last seat of like yeah. on a flight to get back. That was date number two. Then date number three was in Miami, and then I ended up moving, and that was in December two thousand seven. I ended up like move, like moving in, spending half my time with you, starting in like March or April two thousand eight. We got engaged in Miami in December two thousand eight, married in May two thousand nine. When you know, you know. That's the cliff notes. <laughs> or, or I'll rephrase: when you're a man who is a little bit older and mature. And, and not an idiot, you tend to screw things up. At least that was my case. Yeah, that deep knowing and that when you know, you know. People had always said that to me and I literally thought, what a load of crap. Like I was like, yeah, right. How can you know when you know? And when I met my husband, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what they're talking about. And did you know as well, Colleen? Like Jason, you said you had this deep knowing and almost like a trust, I guess you could say. Did you have the same feeling, Colleen? Totally. I mean, I remember that conversation that Jason's alluding to. Um, You know, after we had donuts, he dropped me off at my apartment in a yellow taxi cab. Because remember, this was like pre-Uber. So you actually took cabs places back in in the dark ages of 2007. And the next day when... When he called me, it was like we were just talking like we were old friends, you know, like we hadn't, it's like we had known each other, um, you know, for many, many years. And there was always just such an ease to everything we did. You know, Jason mentioned I caught that last plane seat back to SF to have our second date. Like everything just kind of fell into place. And it was really easy was the word that I remember using with a lot of my friends when I was talking about this new guy I met. Like there wasn't drama, um, you know, there, there wasn't. There wasn't a lot of um, concern over the future. Like we knew what was going to happen pretty early on. Mm, that's so beautiful. I love that. And in my latest book, Open Wide, I talk a lot about understanding the masculine and feminine energies, not only within ourselves, because we all have masculine and we all have feminine energy. And then that kind of plays out in our relationship as well, in all of our relationships, to be honest. So. How does this show up for you guys? So one of the things that I think is really interesting about Jason is he was really raised by two women. So he was raised by his mom and he was raised by his grandma who also lived with him. And I think that makes him much more in touch 
with his feminine energy than other people. He was always someone who could talk about love and open up in a way um, that no other man I met before him was able to do with such vulnerability. Um, you know, he was so thoughtful in, in terms of gift giving. So again, remember we're talking about 2008, but one of the things he did after one of our first dates was, um, you know, send me a mix CD of some of the music. <laughs> remember those things? Pre-Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Pre-Spotify. Um, so he was always like, really open and vulnerable there. He made collages of postcards that he had sent me. Um, yeah. We still have it in our room to remember kind of the early days. So he, he's always been very in touch with his feminine self for someone who I think reads externally, you know, very masculine. He's six foot seven. He played basketball. Um, and then, you know, as you travel deeper into our, into our relationship and into our home, you know, he's very comfortable being almost, you know, the, the kitchen manager, so to speak of, of our home and our house, you know, he's definitely the one who's on top of things that maybe fall into the feminine energy. Um, you know, whether it's saging the house or creating life with our plants and, and keeping, you know, the plants in our home together. So that's always been kind of like a part of him. And I think a lot of it, it's what's attracted it to me is he has had that vulnerability and that ability to connect with people in what I would say is a wonderful feminine energy. Yeah, I definitely get that from you. You're really in touch with your feminine energy and it's beautiful and you embrace it. And I love that. And I think it's really important that we have this awareness around both of the energies, because if we are too masculine in our too much of our masculine energy or too much in our feminine energy within ourselves or within our relationship, an imbalance is going to occur. So having this awareness is really important and being able to notice if it is a little bit out of balance and then doing the things that you need to do to pivot, it's so important. But you guys live and work together. And for anyone who does this, like I just think you're amazing. And my husband and I live and work together as well. We have had an office before, separate offices, and we realized that that wasn't actually what we truly desired. So we both live and, and work from home, which we love, and we travel a lot. How do you guys make that work? How do you live and work together? What are your boundaries? What are your tips? How do you guys do it? It's a work in progress. <laughs> you know, we actually... <laughs> do it quite well. And I think there are a few reasons why it works for us. Uh, one, our, our skill sets are very different and in a way are very unique and complement each other in a way that, uh, you know, collectively as a unit where we benefit my buddy green in a much bigger and better way. And we really fill each other out, um, which, which is extraordinarily I think unique and we've been told that uh, before. I also think for us, we're so passionate about wellness and what we do. It would be hard for us to, so as I joke, like I couldn't be married to a civilian, so to speak. Like I don't shut off. Uh, this is our life. Some of our closest friends are, you know, some of the members of the My Body Green Collective who we've known for years, we've been to weddings, we've seen divorces, we've seen babies, like some of our 
closest contributors or some of our closest friends, you know, for us, there is no separation in terms of like our relationship. That's a big part of it. We say like, we don't succeed at work-life balance. Like we, st- we steal the line work-life integration. <laughs> and, you know, for us, it is, it is delicate. It's something, you know, we have to constantly check in. Are we, you know, we, we don't shut off. And so one like, an example of that is Colleen has recently instituted a rule that <clears throat> there's no work talk before we, so our, our office is four blocks away from our home. So Colleen instituted a new rule to be determined how successful this rule will, will be that we don't talk about work until we walk out of our apartment. Um, you know, and, and that's something where we're about a weekend so far. So good. Uh, so it's finding, finding time for ourselves to, you know, we also have a daughter who's 16 months old. So like, how do we find time for ourselves to not get lost in just our business and our child? And, you know, can we find time for each other just as a couple? And I, I don't think this is unique to people who work together. It's like having a child too, which just us. For it's sure. a work in progress. And it's evolved so much when we started this journey of working together we asked several of our i think within wellness there's a lot of couples working together and they're like oh yeah totally you guys should do it and then after we made the plunge a lot of them talked more openly about the cracks in their relationship so i think it's definitely something to be aware of and that journey has evolved so much from when jason was working in our one bedroom apartment you know all day and all night to now being in an office with 50 millennials, you know, that toll on our relationship and that relationship dynamic has changed. But I think what enables it to work is that we do have such trust in each other's judgment. We are the only people that come into the office, you know, where we know each other's intentions are pure in terms of doing what's best for, for the brand and for the mission. Um, and I think that's a really important part of it. And also what Jason was talking to about complementary skill sets, um, I know where I'm weak and I know where he's strong. And that is, you know, a really easy conversation to have. You go here, you're so much better here. Um, You can have that type of frankness with your partner that maybe you can't have um, with an employee. Um, But, you know, there's three really important things in our life, our, our baby, our relationship and our, our mission, our company, our brand. And it can be hard to, focus as much energy as you want on all three of them at any one point in time. This is where I think awareness is key and having that level of mindfulness and awareness and seeing if one area is out of balance and then doing what you need to do to pivot or set these little boundaries like, okay, no work talk until we step out of the apartment. I think that's really important because what I see a lot of people do is necessarily have the awareness or they do when they don't have the confidence to speak about it or they let it kind of just go for one week and then the next week and then the next week and then the next week and then you know months go down the line and then they end up exploding and and reacting and getting really angry or frustrated when if they had have just brought it to their partner's attention when they first noticed it hey you know I would really like to not talk about work until we step out of the house what do you think about that like Let's try that. And they may not have gotten to that point where 
they erupt. And that's something that my husband and I are constantly doing. It's a work in progress. Like you said, Jason, we are constantly tweaking and pivoting and going, okay, let's try this. Okay, that's not working anymore. What about we try this? And and I think that is the lesson here is to pivot, to be aware, to be mindful and to speak up. You know, don't let it fester for weeks and weeks and then erupt. You know, if something's not working, if you're getting into bed every night at 10 o'clock and you're still talking about work and it's affecting your relationship, I mean, I've been there, then something has got to pivot. And the quicker you pivot, the better. Yeah. And I think you, you use the, the word awareness. And I think being aware is the, the, the key to, to business and leadership in a lot of ways, but also very key to understanding oneself and, and, and your relationship. And I think awareness is just, if I ever like think of qualities that determine quality of life per se, I would put awareness at the top of the list. What's the biggest thing that challenges you most within your relationship and how do you work through that? I would say we work too much, like without a doubt. Like, <laughs> For sure. We, you know, as I said, we're so passionate about what we do. We have close to 50 employees. We're growing. We've got multiple businesses within one business. Um, so it, it's... Uh, it's work. We, we, we work a lot. Yeah. Like, but I, it's not just, you know, the time that we spend working, but how do we make sure that we find time for ourselves? Yeah. Work. It's find like, times for ourselves. And, you know, I think the obvious place to go is, Oh, well, you're passionate about welling, doing wellness stuff. A lot of times when we do things we're really passionate about, it can seem like work um, because it could be, you know, going to a yoga class and we're like, wait, are we going to this class? Because. <laughs> well, it's just also, it's hard. So like, for example, we went to a museum this weekend and museum has really nothing to do with wellness, but in the same way, like everything has to do with wellness. Yeah. So like we're at a museum and you start thinking about like creatively, like, Oh, we could do this or that, or that's interesting. Or yeah. I have an idea. So it's just like hard to, even when you get away from it, so to speak, it, it's there living and breathing within you relationship so i think for us it's just like being mindful of there 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 were a good three years or so four years or so like that we existed before we both started working together and like those interests and passions and everything outside of wellness just like making time for that and finding time away from things that aren't wellness per se is important for us you know that oftentimes it'll look like travel and uh going out to eat um but sort of seeps through, which is okay. Mm, I can absolutely relate to you guys so much. And something that my husband and I started doing at the start of this year was we began ballroom and Latin dance classes together. And we do it just for ourselves. And it's been so much fun. And we have just loved it. We just loved taking that time out for each other it's not related to either of our work and it's just something that we get to do together. And I guess, you know, it it kind of is wellnessy because you're moving your body and it's, you know, you're mindful and things like that, but we just try and bring as much joy and fun and play to it and really it's another thing that you can do that 
doesn't involve your phone. So something that we try and really implement into our life is activities that you can't take your phone. And, you know, that's like watching a live concert or going to the cinema because for us, and I'm sure you guys are the same, we're very connected with our phones and we're you know, always on our computers. So we try and do things like go out into nature and we don't take our phone or different traveling or trapezing. We went trapezing the other day, which was really fun. You can't do Instagram whilst you're trapezing. So yeah, we're constant. And we've got a 12-year-old Nick's son, my bonus son. We've got a little 12-year-old. So we're constantly trying to think of fun little things that we can do for him and also be the example for him. Like, we want him to see us super passionate about what we do like and and entrepreneurs and doing amazing things in the world but we also don't want him to see two parents constantly on their phones and constantly on their computers so you know we really try and have that dance between the two that integration really as elegantly as we possibly can sure. i think there is something wonderful with you know the birth of our child yes it brings you know, a lot more complexity, but just like with your your 12-year-old, it also brings you closer to that state of play. I forgot how much I loved being in a pool until I had my daughter. And there is nothing, you know, that I like more than playing with just the two of us or just the three of us um, in the water. And I think there's something great about kids who can bring you back, make you focus your attention on on things that bring you joy and that are just playing fun that we probably don't spend enough time on in ourselves. If it wasn't for Ellie, I definitely would not be playing in a pool. And you wait till she gets a bit older and you can go to water parks. That's so much fun. Like I forgot how much fun that was. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) I'm ready to hit up Disneyland. I'm ready to do it all. (laughs) Yeah, it's the best fun. Um, You guys being in the public eye, it's very easy for others to put you on a pedestal, but we all face these same lessons and challenges. So are there any common misconceptions that the public might have about you guys as a couple? I think we're pretty transparent. (laughs) (laughs) We we definitely, you know, we're very open that we we work a lot, Uh, very open that you know, this is a work in progress. We're not perfect. We don't just hang out and do yoga all the time. We're very open with like the struggles of being an entrepreneur and growing, growing a business. Uh, those are all things like, you know, our relationship's not perfect. Um, working together is, is not always fun, uh, but we love what we do. I think something that we also try to be real about is... You know, our lives are not the perfect picture of wellness. Um, you know, we eat really well during the week. And then on the weekends, we enjoy food. And, you know, we've had, um, I think one of the things that you know, bums me out about wellness sometimes is that it can seem all a little too perfect, unattainable, not really accessible for people that are living normal lives. So you know, how do we encourage wellness just as, as a way to live? Um, you know, that offers a little bit less restriction, a little more balance so that people see through us, like, yes, there's a lot of things we do that are maybe aspirational. And then we're just like everyone else. And, you know, like uh, a margarita on the weekends too. Yeah. Like we're not paleo. We're not vegan. We just, you know, we eat, we eat pretty clean during the week. We try to make the best choices (laughs) we can, but when we're at an airport or on a flight, we're going to give our daughter a pouch and that's okay too. Yeah, Although she doesn't have sugar, (laughs) no sugar. 
but we will have sugar. <laughs> yeah. Thanks guys. I love how honest you are and how authentic you are. And that's something that really drew me to you, Jason, when I first met you many, many years ago, when I came to New York, just how authentic and open and honest and warm you are, even though you are like six foot seven. And I just didn't expect so much of that feminine, beautiful openness. And it's really beautiful to see. So thank you so much for your both of your honesty and your authenticity. Thank you. That's the only way we know how to do it. (laughs) So how do you guys keep your relationship exciting and fresh? I mean, you've spoken about a few different things that you do, but are there any other things that you guys do to consciously keep it fresh and new? You know, it's hard. And I think what makes it hard to keep it fresh and new is a 16-month-old daughter. I think for us, you know, it's like consciously so we travel a lot but when we travel it's trying to find time alone whether that means a, a sitter or just like some time alone or if we're traveling for work just up around up and around new york like can we find time within that travel to just like have a meal together or have a drink together or it's just if so much of our day is Colleen, Jason, and my buddy Green. And then, then it's Colleen, Jason, and Ellie, our daughter. So how do we, the trick for us is like, how do we find time where it's just Colleen and Jason, sans my buddy Green and sans Ellie? And I think we've also realized that we don't have to set the bar so high. So I think saying like a date night feels it can be a little overwhelming. Like that involves finding a sitter, getting the sitter, you know, three hours with the sitter. <laughs> so what we've been doing lately is if we have a meeting in Midtown, so Midtown to us, we live in Brooklyn, is like a whole other universe. Like we joke, you know, we need to bring our passport there. It's like going on a new adventure. So we had like a meeting that ended at like 4.30 and we're like, we're going to just have drinks and start dinner at 4.45 because then we're only like 15 minutes late when we get back to Brooklyn around 6.30. So how do you like reinvent, you know, those types of date nights so that you can do them in a way that's a little bit more frequent and you don't have to wait until the yeah. perfect time comes. And like the way I liken it, you know, I think about there, there are parallels between like my yoga practice. And so when I first, when yoga saved me from back surgery a long time ago, you know, yoga became a huge part of my life. And I would go to yoga classes, you know, public yoga classes in New York city like every day, but yoga involves an hour and a half in class and then subway and back and forth. It's like a two hour commitment. And as my buddy green grew, you know, every day became like a couple days a week and then once a week. And then it was like once a month. And so then I was like, well, well this just isn't going to work. And so my yoga practice evolved to, or just like physical, a physical practice evolved to yoga on the weekends for 10 to 15 minutes and then weights in our gym at our apartment building two days a week. So like it evolved to this thing, like and meditation daily, like 10 minutes, but, but something I could do and I could commit to. And so the point I'm making is like, I think for us, this idea of like putting pressure on like this big event, <laughs> you know, knowing our lives are in flux and it is still important and we still do that. Like it's better for us to like commit to like 
these tend to be these smaller things that we know we can do versus this big thing that if something gets pushed to schedule instead of like once every two weeks becomes once every two months. And then it's like a very slippery slope, which isn't good. And so we'd rather do smaller things that we know we can do. It's like the best, there's a great line from Tim Ferriss, the, the best exercise is the one you actually do. And it's like the same thing with like anything in life. So it's something we can commit to and do. And I love that it's spontaneous. You know, it's like, okay, well, we've got this time here. So let's go have a drink now or let's go and grab a smoothie or let's go and have dinner earlier. Like that spontaneity, I think, is really important in a relationship, especially when you've been together for so many years. And it's something that I'm really mindful of within my marriage is how can I inject a little bit of spontaneity in our week this week? Like, what can I do? And it might just be something like if Nick is sitting at the desk, I will go up and give him a shoulder massage, you know, just for like five minutes or something like that, or not even five minutes. And so I'm constantly like thinking about, well, how can I just inject this little bit of spontaneity out of the box, something that's not the norm, because otherwise it can get a bit stale and a bit flatline, you know? Absolutely. And I think just spontaneity in general, like it's good for relationships. It's good for life. It's good for, it's good for everything. It's just something to just never lose sight of, especially in a relationship. And I think it's often someone who we love at Mind Buddy Green is Dr. Sue Johnson, uh, who wrote an amazing book called Love Sense. And in that book, she talks about, you know, it's like, so what happens with, like, with relationships and when they go south, it's, it's typically like not one like big event. It's a series of things that, that break down over the years. It's a slippery slope. So like this idea of communication, of intimacy, of spontaneity, it's like generally like little things that just like slowly erode over time. And then you wake up at that moment of like, what the fuck happens? You know, or like, I'm not in love or, you know, I cheated. And it's, it's, it's like, it's a slow erosion. And I think, being mindful of the little things, whether it's communication, spontaneity, uh, appreciation, like those little things are the things that are the glue, are the fabric of a great relationship over time. But when they start to disappear, there's a slow erosion. And that's when people end up in this place where they say like, I don't know what happened. I think that. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. It's it's these little things that eat away over time, and then yeah, just it'll combust, and it's often not that not the way, like you said. So, I absolutely agree. In my second book, Open Wide, I talk a lot about soulful sex and intimacy. So, how important is that soulful intimacy? And that heart-to-heart connection and soulful sex in your relationship. It's very important, but definitely takes a back seat when you have a 16-month-old. <laughs> and the reality of like the challenge of having a child and like what that does to to sex and your sex life and all that goes on, you know, from the moment of, of childbirth to actually before childbirth. Before childbirth. From pregnancy to nursing to sleeping and all that stuff, like not going to lie, it definitely uh, having a child and is not the best thing for 
on sex life. So it's something, you know, I think in a lot of ways, you know, these little things and, and there's like, there are like crazy statistics that like a lot of relationships like, uh, end around childbirth, I want to say, you know, at 16 months, at least coming out of that phase. So, but it's, 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 it's a challenge when you, when you have a child, time and sleep and energy are not, uh, things we have a lot of. Yeah, definitely over the past two years of pregnancy and Ellie being born and I just stopped nursing like three days ago, <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, you know, it, intimacy definitely has to get redefined in terms of so much of it, like pregnancy and post-childbirth is like, can I get a foot rub? Can I get things like that? Can I get a massage? Like those small things that go such a long way. Cause can you clean the apartment? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the, those gestures can go so far. Um, and I don't think women talk enough about, you know, how different sex is post, um, post childbirth. And especially when nursing, uh, there's a lot going on with hydration that just isn't the same, um, <laughs> which is, uh, another reason we've been looking forward to this moment of, of st- stopping nursing to bring a little bit more hydration into our sex life. Mm, yes, it's so important. And so is it something that you guys have actively been mindful of? Like you're like, okay, well, this is kind of taken a different form now. And how have you not got upset or frustrated with it? Do you know what I mean? Oh, we're definitely upset and frustrated. <laughs> but it's just, it is, it sort of is what it is. And when we look at it, it's like, it's a moment in time. And we understand it's a moment in time. We're both conscious of it and knowing like any moment in time it will pass and you know, we'll get through it. I think new parents too, like their days are really ruled by the sleep they had the night before. And, you know, we are, are there are so many young parents in our neighborhood. And when you go to this place where they all gather, all they talk about, is sleep and sleep regressions because your ability to get sleep does not impact just like the day you have, but your relationship and all the family dynamics. And we, you know, we tend to find that when Ellie's sleeping, all is good in the world. And when Ellie's not sleeping, all is not as good. All is, all is not <laughs> as good. <laughs> and it trickles down to every element of our relationship. Yeah. And I believe that in order for us to really be of service to, our beloved, we've really got to show up for ourselves first and really fill ourselves up and make sure that we're taking care of ourselves as much as we can when you've got a baby as well. So how do you guys make sure that you fill yourselves up and you're looking after yourselves so that you can show up as the best partner for each other? I think it looks different for both of us. I think, you know, for me, uh, my wellness practice keeps me sane, if you will. So that's meditation daily. I used to do 20 minutes. Now it's more like five. Uh, I go to the gym in our building a couple days a week for 10 minutes. I do yoga on the weekends for 10 to 15 minutes. I walk everywhere. I take the stairs everywhere. Like I am a walker. I will walk, walk, walk. Uh, and then I'll do things that are, you know, in terms of like getting my head out of wellness and like finding joy, so to speak, like 
I love basketball still. Like I'll watch the NBA, the playoffs are on right now. Like I'll watch those games and I really love watching professional basketball and I'll have Ellie and watch it with her or I'll read a book. I'll like that, that brings me joy. That's something that for me personally, like uh, allows me a little bit of space to like fill me up, if you will. And shiatsu, and I do Reiki and some other things like every other other week as well. I, I fully believe that you have to be in a good place before you can give to your partner, to your company, to your to your family, to your children. And one of the things that I've really realized over the past sixteen months is how the internet, particularly Instagram, talks about self care. It hasn't really resonated for me. It, it's not real in any way. It you know, typically involves long candlelit baths with rose petals, you know, in the, in the water. Um, and you know, especially with the constraints on our time right now, that, that's just not realistic. And I don't think most women have time for that. So I think, especially post child, it's really being judicious about looking at the KPI, so to speak of how do you feel after you make that investment? Like, do you feel better after going to, to that type of activity or, or is it just a drain on you? I know everyone says you should do meditation. Does it work for you? Okay, if not, figure out something else. So what I've found that works for me is acupuncture followed by cupping. There's someone I've been working with for three years. It's my you know weekly ritual. And we, we both kind of know that we have our, our own healers where we carve out a time to go. And, and that's kind of sacred time for all of us. But the way in which I move, which obviously is so important to health and well-being, has changed dramatically. I used to do a ton of 60 or you know 90-minute classes Right now, movement is taking the stairs wherever I go and going on long stroller walks and trying to be mindful when I'm there and not being on my phone with my daughter. Um, and that you know, time is really sacred and, and makes me feel good and definitely fuels my soul. So I think like anything in life, it's, it's recognizing what works for you at that moment in time and that what may have worked three, six, nine, 12 months ago may not work for you now and trying to lean a little bit more into what makes you feel good and nourishes your soul. I love that. And it comes back to what we're saying before about pivoting because what works for us pre-baby and then in our early 20s may not be what fills us up now. So it's about pivoting and having that awareness. I love that. What do you guys attribute your relationship success to? And and I'm saying success, you know, you're you're still together. What do you attribute that to? I think it's a couple things. One we both want our relationship to succeed. So I think we work on our relationship because in any relationship, it takes two people. And if one person doesn't want to work, like that's a problem. Uh, I also think, you know, we're, we're true partners in the sense of the word, like we're partners in life and we're partners in business. Like we, we are true partners. And that is a big thing. I think, some relationships don't necessarily start that way or start that way, but take twists and turns and, and one person feels like they're not necessarily a partner. So I think it's this idea of like working, uh, understanding communication styles too. is a big thing. You know, we communicate very differently uh, and understanding how we communicate um, is a thing. Understanding each other's, uh, you know, pain points, so to speak, in life and business. So, like, one example is, like, I am, like, 
very, very, I'm probably a little too comfortable with like risk. Pauline is not so much just understanding that and like, uh, is a thing, but I would say like overall, it's this idea of like, we're, we're truly partners, um, in life and, and in business. And that's a, that's a big thing. We, we want, you know, we respect each other. We love each other and, and we want to succeed. I think that goes a long way. Succeed as, as, as a couple. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, we've also learned lessons on this journey. Um, you know, Jason brought up communication styles, you know, from 2009 to 2013, my buddy green didn't make any money. And that, that was stressful. That was really stressful. <laughs> put a lot of stress in our relationship, but you know, through it, we learned to communicate like what each other needed from that situation. And it definitely did make us stronger and better communicators. I think what is something you know that Jason's really good at and inspires me to do be better at is those daily, you know, signs of appreciation. I think in relationships it's really easy to kind of ease into these roles. Oh, okay, you do this, I do this. Um and, and you kind of maybe spend more time doing the things you're good at, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, but you also want the appreciation for it. Hey, thanks for making the bed. Hey, thanks for changing Ellie's diaper. Hey, thanks for putting Ellie to sleep. So while specialization in relationships makes a lot of functional sense, it's like, how do you just make sure that you're never getting to a point where you're taking what someone's doing for, for granted. granted? I think gratitude is another important, as Colleen was Gratitude is huge in a relationship. Just being thankful. You just never want to like get to a place where you're, as Colleen's saying so eloquently, it's like getting, going through the motions. Mm, absolutely. Never underestimate the power and potency of two words, thank you. It's so easy, like you said, to not thank your partner for putting your dishes away or not thank your partner for making the bed, but those little things and just saying, hey, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for doing that. It means the world, even after years to, of being together. When my husband turns to me and says, thank you so much for making the bed this morning, I like melt a little bit. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. And it's just so easy to do. And and we are the same. You know, Gratitude is a huge proponent of our life. Every morning and every evening, we we ask what each other are grateful for. It's something that's so simple and free to do, but makes such a powerful impact in your relationship. Agreed. And it's such an important way to start and close the day. Yeah. So what is one thing that you're each working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? Is there anything that is quite current that you're working on? A lot of what I'm working on has to do with compartmentalizing things like running a business can be an exhilarating journey. As you know, there's really great highs and there can be lows too. And I think I'm always very good about not celebrating the highs too much, but I can take the lows um, really personally. Uh, human resources stuff keeps me up at night. And you know, these are all really important things because they involve people, but I'm not, so skilled at being like, this is really important. I'm going to focus on it tomorrow. I'm more of a ruminator. Um, you know, no matter how much meditation, no matter how many candles I light at night, like I know my brain likes to spin. So I'm working on, on stopping that spin cycle. And I would say for me, it's, it's, 
our, our new imposed morning rule and evening rule. So whether yeah, Chase has know, violated it many times. I, I tend to violate <laughs> those rules around work. I'm always thinking. Um, so I'm definitely working on not talking about work until 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. or whatever that number is, or 10 p.m. at night. Like that, that's that's my big. Uh, I, I, I have I have room for improvement there. I've gotten really good at putting my phone downstairs. We live in a duplex, and I think that separation, that physical separation from the phone, has been really helpful for me. Yeah, absolutely. Something so simple like not charging your phone in your bedroom has such a huge impact, not only on your own health, but on your relationship as well. Totally. All right, guys, let's pretend now that you both have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Now, besides your book, Jason, let's pretend that's already in the curriculum. What one book would you each choose? Wow. I mean, I did like The Four Agreements, which I know you've read. Yeah. Right? I feel like it's, it's, it's a good kind of required curriculum um, on how to live with intention with yourself and with others. So that would be one of the first on my, on my list. I would do Frank Littman's book, The New Health Rules. It was like a primer on wellness. It's just so simple and straightforward. and It's like a great summary of, of, of like what wellness means. That's one that like comes to mind, like around food, around entrepreneurship. There's like a handful. Uh, Shoe Dog, Phil, Phil Knight's book, the founder of Nike. I think it's like a great, a great read. The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. I would say around spirituality, like I think you can heal your life. Louise Hay, very powerful. So many. It's just, I can't pick one. We talked about. Love sense and relationship. And then I think for entrepreneurship, one other one we both read is um, Cheryl O'Loughlin's Killing It. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. So many good books. I can't pick. (laughs) I know. I know. It's such a hard question. There's so many good books, but I love hearing, you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind. So we'll link to all of those and your book as well, Jason, in the show notes so people can check out those books. But I'd love to hear now, I know this is probably very different now to before you had your beautiful baby daughter, but what are your morning routines? How do you guys set yourself up for success in the mornings? So it's, we both, you know, we wake up at different times. Uh, I'm, I'm a big gratitude person. So I will always like silently say, thank you. Thank you. Just like be mindful try to be as mindful as possible about like stepping out of bed and just like just really appreciating waking up in terms of like next steps. I, I make coffee every day. So I make, I make our version of, you know, bulletproof style coffee. So black coffee with uh, grass fed ghee. Uh, and then from there, like it, it changes. Is Ellie up? Is Ellie not up? If this is pre Ellie, like that was sort of the routine. But like that, that everything, everything else is up for discussion. But I think for me, it's gratitude. And then what, what, what's the next best thing after gratitude? It's coffee. <laughs> Jason obviously shared about our, our coffee ritual. We also go analog. We're like the last people on earth who actually get hard copies of papers delivered. Oh yeah, that's right. Which I think is a, a good way to like not rush here. Yeah, we get the Wall Street Journal. I, 
<laughs> so we have a Wall Street Journal five days a week, New York Times and Wall Street Journal on the weekends. Um, and I think it's a great way to make sure that you don't start um, you know, searching the web and browsing and going down that rabbit hole. Uh, if I have enough time, um, I also believe the best exercise is the one that you actually do. And so that means fitting in like 10, 20 minutes on a good day of some movement videos from our good friend and our neighbor, Tara Stiles, um, to just move a little bit in the apartment to make sure it happens. And then what we like to do is take the long way to work. We, we work about four blocks from where we live and you can make it a two minute trip or you can make it a five minute trip. And just having a nice walk on the way to work where you we pass the East park. River and you go through a park. <laughs> Um, you know, just spending bridge. a little bit more time to just enjoy on a great day like today, you know, the sun and feel that on your on your body and getting that vitamin D instead of just you know pushing to get there in the fastest way possible is one of those wonderful little luxuries in life. Mm, beautiful, I love that. Yeah, where you guys are in Brooklyn is just so beautiful. I remember when I was there, I was just it was the most picture perfect day, blue sky, just stunning. You could see the Brooklyn Bridge. It was just beautiful. If only it was like that every day. Every day, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, I've got three rapid fire questions for you. In your opinion, what is one of the most important things that we can do today for our health? Just one thing. I'd say cut out sugar. I'd say spend less time on social media. Good one. All right. What's one thing that we can do for more wealth in our life? Eat more vegetables. Spend more time with friends. Yeah, beautiful. And what is one of the most important things that we can do for more love in our life? I would say express gratitude to those you love more frequently. Jason stole mine. Gratitude for the little things every day. What a... Three things you're each most recently grateful for. I would say our, you know, our daughter, the health of our family and our, our home. I would add to that we have finally received some vitamin D here in New York. Tough <laughs> winter. And I think you really appreciate summer after some of these brutal winters. I summer, yeah. I'll take it spring. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I am such a lizard and for me the sunshine, oh, when it kisses my skin, it just every cell in my body turns on and starts dancing. Literally, I can feel my cells dance. Well said. <laughs> so what's one thing that is bringing you both the most joy in your life right now? To me that's easy. I would say Ellie, our daughter. Agreed. And the sunshine? Ellie and sunshine is kind of a combination. Oh, guys, this has been so great. I've had such a great time and I've learned a lot. It's really been nice to have these nice reminders of the little things that we can do. The little things that are easy to do are often easy not to do. And we've got to remember to do them. So thank you for all of these potent little reminders. Is there anything else that you would like to share that maybe I haven't asked you about or any parting words of wisdom? I, I think you covered everything. I would just reiterate relationships or, or work. And there is the beauty and the magic and of connection and clicking with someone and falling in love and love at first.
search site and synchronicity and chemistry and all those things, but their work and you got to want to work. And, you know, I think we're, we're always enamored by, we meet couples that have been married for 40 years or 50 years. And, uh, there's a common theme when we talk to people is, you know, their, their work, like anything in life. I think our conversation has inspired me to make sure I'm being intentional with my gratitude and my spontaneity. Yeah. You have to work at those things. Yeah. <laughs> I was very- Set reminders in the Google calendar. You know, it's a little bit of a contradiction, but like we believe in ease, but in many ways, like anything in life, that's, that's, that's really worth uh, something. You have to work at it, including relationships. Absolutely. It's like a plant. If you want your plants to thrive and not die, you've got to water them. You've got to give them love and attention, the right amount of sunlight. You've got to you know, position them in the home where they're going to thrive. And that's the same as your relationship. You've got to give them the right amount of love and energy and time. And it's it's the same if you want it to thrive. So thank you for sharing all of that. And I'm a massive believer in service. And I want to know what I personally and the listeners today can do to serve you guys. How can we serve you today? Well, go to Mind, Body, Green. Read everything. <laughs> Check out all our videos, all our amazing classes, including our amazing class with you. Uh, you know, just check out everything, share it, love it. Just uh, we believe that we're at this inflection point in the world, and uh, a lot of people are really excited about making positive change in their lives and bringing that change to their families and their communities. And so, just reading, absorbing Mind Body Green, and sharing it with people around them would make us tremendously happy. Melissa, thank you so much for what you do to bring so much love and light to to people, to their families and their communities and, and the world. Thank you so much, guys. I'm so grateful for the work that you are both doing in the world individually and then with Mind Body Green, the way that you are so deeply committed to yourselves, to your partnership, to your beautiful daughter, to your team to making an impact in the world. I'm so grateful. Your website was one of the first health and wellness websites or blogs that I ever looked at. And this was my beautiful friend, as you know, Jess Ainsco, who's since passed on. She's the one that first forwarded me your website years and years ago. I think when you just started, she was like, you've got to check out this website. It's got all this amazing health information on it. And I was like, okay, cool. And then would read it avidly and then started writing for you guys and done this, done my course with you. And it's just, and then got to meet you in person and have this interview. It's been a beautiful progression over the last, you know, seven or eight years. And I'm so grateful to know you both for the work that you're doing. You're such beautiful, authentic people and keep going. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, it's been so great to get to know you and and grow with you. And we're honored to be on your podcast and honored to be on this journey with you. We've got a lot of work to do.
what a beautiful couple. I got so many great reminders out of today's episode. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 115. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. Just a reminder that you can now get your hands on my second book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships, and Soulful Sex. All you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy today. And if you want to be the review of the week, make sure you head to iTunes and you leave me a five-star review. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here. I love sharing this time and space with you. And I love that you want to be the best version of yourself. And well done for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, maybe it's your partner, your husband, friend, a family member, whoever it is, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you have got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.